Hey everybody, welcome back to DAC Talk, where we talk to interesting people, do really interesting things. And today, with me, I have another game dev. <laughs> and uh, you're going to be seeing a few more of these, actually, because they're the ones who usually re reply to me on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so um, with me, I have Mr. Dimitri Prague of Outer Brain Games. And uh, he was the um, director and, I believe, producer of... I think their first game, right? Uh, Oregon Quarter? Mm-hmm, yep. Right. Hey. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, my name is Dimitri. Uh, I am the director behind uh, Outer Brain Studio. Um, so I'm currently the only full-time developer. And uh, we've been making games for, I guess, about about five years now um and before that i i used to i got started with uh flash animation and uh flash game making at that point i uh ideas guy and doing uh really really shoddy artwork for other uh starting programmers but uh for, for most of my life i didn't think that i could ever be a programmer and that changed about about four years ago, uh, just before Organ Quarter. So Organ Quarter is the first game that um, I fully programmed on my own, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey from there. Um, and yeah, that's now I'm working on Guilt, and uh, that is a RPG multiplayer game. Uh, I, I'm not ready to take on uh, network programming yet, so. Uh, we have some new members on the team, uh, Corey Powell, who um, uh, I used to work with back in high school, and uh, so you know we're all coming back together now. Do you say guilt's kind of a uh, kind of making you learn some some things? Uh, yeah, for sure. This is a you know much much bigger project than Organ Quarter was. Uh, it didn't seem like that from the start, but yeah. It's well, we, we can definitely uh, dig into guilt. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we can save that for, for later, obviously. <laughs> yeah. We want to talk about Oregon Quarter. Yeah, I've got plenty of stuff to talk about with that because it's such an interesting project. And really, both of the uh, both of the games that I've seen from you are very interesting. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Oregon Quarter is a <laughs> probably the first of its kind. It's a... VR survival horror game in the most traditional sense of, of the term survival horror. So Silent Hill, Resident Evil, um, those are the two big ones. I can't really think of any other ones off the top of my head right now. But if you know what those are, you probably know what survival horror is. Um, and it's 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 pretty pretty interesting, and it's got a really unique look to it. And you can see a lot of really cool inspirations just from watching the trailer. Uh <laughs> You can see a little bit of a lot of things in that game. So, what kind of what kind of inspired the uh, the making of Organ Quarter, Dimitri? Um, so basically, I I was an, a pretty early adopter for VR. Um, I was really into it from the beginning. So, um, I got a headset um, probably like two months after they were released. I got a, a Vive. Um, and uh, I, I liked a few of the games that were coming out, but most of them felt very tech demo-y and um, not 
very like there weren't too many atmospheric games that you could just sort of take your time with and walk around and um there were also really weren't any horror games there were maybe one or two um but it, but even those were very sort of um constrained into like little rooms or um were more the sort of contemporary like pop horror um you put on the headset and like stuff just pops out randomly and uh so i i wanted to try and bring sort of um old school 90s survival horror into vr because i thought that it would be a really good combination and and uh one of the things i wanted to focus not doing any pop-up horror so like people that typically don't ever give horror games a chance could maybe you know work their way through it um although there are a few segments that maybe are a little bit um maybe not segments but a few features that are a little bit there's like one enemy that kind of pops out but um <laughs> no, in no, general no. it's it's I, it, I would say myself it's pretty uh tame as far as like uh the immediate horror of it and uh yeah i just thought it would be a really good combo for vr and uh i, I think uh, i think it came out well yeah, so do I. I actually know exactly what monster you're talking about, too. I call it the jump scare monster, and uh, I, I got really good at, at spotting them and making sure that they didn't do that to me. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. It's like, that can happen, and, and uh, you, can, you can work your way around it, which uh, probably the first time you're not going to be aware of that, but it's possible if you're like super paranoid that you can be looking around every corner and you would actually notice it. Um, so, yeah, I think knowing that just the the idea that something really scary can happen if you're being um, too hasty, I think that builds a little bit more fear into the game other than just, um, you know, saying like, for sure, never, ever will there be anything uh, to frighten you. I think that ruins some of the atmosphere. I actually, um, I actually think that whether intentional or not, I, I kind of feel like you and your team sort of touched on a lot of different types of horror. Um, so you, like you said, you have your jump scare, you have your sort of slow building tension, you have your, uh, I guess you'd call it like storytelling uh, build up to, I guess you know the the bosses more or less. Um, and by the way, there's there's like traditional bosses in this game. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, and then there's one in particular. I can't really put a name on it, but I would like to call it a uh, fleshy Pac-Man room um, <laughs> near the end there. And that was that was actually a really well designed area as well. Um, and speaking of fleshy, uh, most of this game is that. <laughs> It's, it's it's got a very surreal sort of otherworldly uh, <laughs> I don't know how, how else to call it I guess Cronenbergian style look to it um, what what kind of inspired that that uh, theming uh, so I, I think most obviously like Silent Hill 2 was the biggest influence it's my favorite horror game uh, possibly my favorite game um, but I, I definitely wanted to break away from that, from the aesthetic there. Oregon Quarter is more 
more organic, more fleshy, like you were saying. Um, I think definitely you you mentioned Cronenberg was a huge influence. Uh, Videodrome, uh, putting your head into the TV that was you know like uh, oh. de- definitely influenced by Videodrome and um, uh, other influences that have influenced other games um, like. Uh, Jacob Slatter is a huge influence, and um, man, I'm sure there's a ton that I'm forgetting. See, I, but... I, I almost thought there was a, a little bit of Resident Evil thrown into the um, some of the monster designs as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Resident Evil is definitely a big one, uh, and and just that like era of horror games in general. Um, I would say that the game, the gameplay, is much more Resident Evil than it is Silent Hill. Um, it's not like, like there are some puzzles, but it's pretty basic. Uh, most of it is about resource management, which Silent Hill usually isn't too heavy on. Silent Hill is pretty, pretty easy, more about atmosphere and a lot of like monster avoidance. Um, so yeah, as far as like gameplay and like a limited inventory, uh, Resident Evil was a huge influence on all that. Right, right. One thing I kind of noticed, um, just as the player, I'm not sure if you uh, planned for this or not, but before we started the podcast, I had mentioned one one monster who was not the jump scare monster, but became that for me. Um, <laughs> uh, it's actually the first one you see in the game, the first model that you see. And it's like this, um, uh, he doesn't have any limbs, but, but all of his limbs are replaced by metal limbs. And this dude was just out to get me for the whole game and every time this dude like i'd just be exploring and something would hit me on the side and i'd turn and here's green guy with with the metal limbs stabbing at my face and every time that happened my hand just went straight up and i lost 12 bullets just immediately and i i kind of i can't help but wonder if that was almost on purpose like giving giving a lot of that the uh, the ammo and it's not that you gave too much or anything it's just the right amount I would say especially for something as new as as this or I guess kind of new because it's it's some it's an old sort of style of game but it's putting a new uh, medium of sorts you know <laughs> yeah so uh, I guess I, I've tried to talk very little about this um, and I guess part of the um, influence for this was Resident Evil 4 and how they handled this. Um, but uh, there are a few sections throughout the game that will resupply you with ammo based on how you're doing. And um, really? it, it's something that nobody notices, but it it just works so well. And it kind of... I think with the with the linear story structure of Oregon Quarter that um, it works. If it was more of a open ended or like a open like a open world type of thing, I think it would be more I don't know more offensive to people. But uh, I think this way it, it just keeps people on the right track, and usually it always feels like everything is like well balanced for you even though it's it's cheating a little bit <laughs> um, but but it's not too uh, it's not too aggressive um, like people still com- complain about uh, running out of ammo in certain segments 
uh, which we've tried our best to limit. But um, yeah, like normally there should be some some attack, like a melee attack that doesn't rely on ammo. But I wanted to stay away from that in VR personally. I just I I really hate swinging around the controllers. It doesn't feel very good, and it also like requires you to have a a larger play space. Right. So, yeah, I wanted to keep everything uh, with the guns. And, um, yeah, and a, a couple of the bosses also resupply your ammo during the battle. But uh, one in particular does not. And so people have uh, ran out of ammo. I've sort of noticed that the, the game was split up into uh, sections that were themed in different ways. So, like, the first section was the apartment. And throughout the well, throughout uh, all of the sections, I believe, uh, in this a lot of the save rooms, there are you know papers that are left around that have. I'm guessing people that are pertaining to that uh, area writing down their story, <laughs> more or less. Um, so f- from what I can tell, uh, and again, I'm I'm kind of a, a little bit of a dummy here when it comes to storytelling and horror games, and I admit to that. What what is the game actually like like about like what's what's going on in the game? Uh, yeah, so uh, um, uh, should we try and keep it spoiler free? I don't really care. I would um, leave that but, up to you. <laughs> uh, well, well, I guess uh, I'll, I'll try my best to sort of keep things uh, vague. Although, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like <laughs> the, the game does a pretty um, good job of that. Sometimes, yeah, I, I, I don't think it would matter too much even if people knew where things are going but um so generally things are pretty vague and um a lot of things are open to interpretation but um so we we start in the beginning and we see like some strange sort of dream sequence with like uh surgery um at least i was going for there's this sort of medical scene and uh everything kind of goes insane and gets all fleshy and then we wake up in our apartment um and the idea idea there was that there was some sort of horrible trauma that happened a long time ago um i think uh the character dr Alsit. Uh, when you hear him on the tape recorder, he says it's been like a year since he's seen you. Um, so for the, the idea was that for about you know a year, maybe more, uh, this the main character has been just um, locked up in his apartment, and um, that theme kind of goes throughout the story. It's about like isolation and agoraphobia, and more sort of like I don't know how to explain it in like a not cheesy way but like the idea of like coming out of that state like uh, I guess quote facing your demons or whatever Um, and uh, all of the characters and environments and monsters are representative of that like that initial trauma that happened to the character, which is never like directly stated. Uh, it could have been. I, I, I guess it's it's most obviously the death of a character, mm-hmm. but 
um, it could be interpreted that it's also something that happened to the character. Um, I, I would think that it was the death of a loved one um, and the character coping with that. Right, right. That's that's definitely what it seemed like. And um, from what I gather just from playing the game, uh, Dr. Alset, like you said, he was the one who uh, sort of starts or kicks the game off. Um, and you you <laughs> you said you wanted to keep it kind of spo- spoiler free. Basically, I, I guess I don't I don't think I don't think anyone that hasn't played the game is really going to be uh, too worried about it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's fine. Uh, spoilers are fine. I mean, we could put up a warning <laughs> here. <laughs> spoilers okay, yeah. coming. Spoilers if you don't want to, you know, uh, skip to time code that'll be on the <laughs> post. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Doctor Allset. Um, you kind of learn that he is a, a visionary of sorts and uh, he's, he's trying to basically come up with the, uh, the cure, the cure all for, for all things. <laughs> and uh, the viscous, uh, I believe, I believe the first time you hear that term is actually near the end of the game, but he comes up with this thing called the viscous and you see it throughout the entire game. And it's kind of, eaten up uh this part of uh the city uh, which is called the organ quarter which is uh, the namesake of the game and so th- that's that's kind of where you you see a lot of the uh the theming and the designs for the enemies sort of bounce off of that and it's funny because uh, a minute ago uh when you were explaining sort of the uh the setup for the game you mentioned a lot of the enemies were sort of themed after phobias basically and that was yeah essentially right right and that was that was the first thing i thought of when i saw the um <laughs> i don't know their names because dude it's it's so hard to find like actual like like a wiki for this game or, or anything <laughs> and, and yeah i don't i don't think uh, any of the monsters are ever named right right anywhere. But one of the first ones you see, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's one of the more prominent ones in the marketing. I just call it like the 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 tripo zombie, or mm-hmm. or, or tripo man. He's he's a tripophobic yeah, yeah zombie yeah. guy walking around. He's got holes. Um, like I'm if you guys know what I'm talking about, it's it's this supposed fear of like um, multiple holes sort of next to each other. It's it's a it's a weird thing, but most phobias are. Um, <laughs> and a, a while back, a few years ago, there was actually a picture circulating around the net. I think it was like 2013 or something, where someone had, <laughs> excuse me, someone had uh, photoshopped a lotus pod into someone's skin, basically, and it looked like some sort of terrible disease. And that's immediately what that reminded me of. And I'm I'm guessing that was the inspiration for that look, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I tried to sort of lean on tripophobia for a lot of the design choices. Um, I think it's most obvious with that right. uh, enemy, but uh, it definitely pops out um, throughout other parts of the game. And definitely if you have tripophobia, then this is going to be a, a very personal game to you. <laughs> you definitely covered the uh, the flying spiders. I'll give you that one. Um, so one of the, one of the more interesting design choices and so far everyone I've seen, cause, cause you know, I was streaming the game 
on Twitch because I, mm-hmm. I kept announcing it every time I went to stream. And the reason I was streaming is because I didn't want to play it and sort of like be by myself because being stuck in that world <laughs> alone is like um, it's an experience. I'll put it that way. I, I needed the distraction. But one of the one of the cool design choices was uh, the map, um, and everyone I've sort of shown it to, uh, they all say the same thing. What like, wow, this is really cool because what it is is basically you pull up a map like you would in any of these games, you know, after you collect it. But there are these stamps on the right side that you can uh, pick and and sort of mark wherever you want to on the map. But but there's no like you are here arrow you just kind of have to figure out where you are based on the room numbers and stuff and keep track of that and i thought that was really cool uh what kind of made you guys come up with with that sort of uh design um so i I knew for sure the game would have to have a map um on some level uh, especially towards the beginning of the game where it's a bit more open um i don't remember exactly when or how we came up with the idea to just use stamps but i know um at around the same time there's like uh there's breath of the wild that came out and i think that had a some sort of stamp system where the map there isn't quite fully revealed and um i just i didn't want it to i I wanted it to feel immersive like I, i didn't want it to feel like some map screen that you're holding to somehow like it's a real map like you are holding a map and it's fully static it doesn't show you anything and um you you can use it if you want to a lot of people just are too lazy they don't even bother stamping (laughs) um i think most of the game is pretty like if you don't even know about the map you could probably get through the game um you might have to just try a few doors multiple times but it doesn't too confusing probably just like the first apartment building level and uh although no towards the end there's the the university um, medical area that gets that gets a bit more confusing but by that point i i hope that you found the map um oh yeah 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 no i was i was definitely using those stamps for sure uh, for a lot of stuff i thought that was a, a really cool a really cool touch there's not really a ton of games i can think of that do something like that, and and I feel like it was definitely, like you said, immersive. I think I think that was a very good choice for for that for sure. What do you think about um, sort of the the finished product of the, of the game? Um, I'm definitely very proud to have Oregon Quarter as my released game. Uh, I put a ton of work into it, and uh, I was able to get it done really quick uh, in basically under a year uh, the whole production um i'm not super proud of all the programming work like i think if some people looked into the code <laughs> they'd be pretty embarrassed oh, and really? uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of a mess and that on top of the fact that it's like a vr based game that's you know vr headsets are constantly getting updated and changed and you know like an issue with uh, oculus headsets right now and i have to like go in there and figure out what in the world is causing that to happen and um yeah vr development has been 
pretty rough, which is why I kind of want to take a little break from it. But um, overall, uh, super proud of the game. Um, I love everything that um, Alex, who is uh, helping me with the writing, uh, he put a lot of great work into that and helped me a ton. And um, um, my my brother, uh, who's the composer, Annadale, uh, I absolutely love the soundtrack. And almost every review talks about the soundtrack. And I'm so grateful that he was able to produce so many great tracks and really uh, put some meat on the atmosphere in the game. Yeah, no, I actually have to agree with that. The, uh, the soundtrack was definitely one of my favorite parts about the game. It definitely added a lot to the atmosphere. Yeah, uh, I, I do have to say, you, you, you guys are pretty ambitious, for, especially for your first game, uh, coming out and just making a, a VR game like this that, that it kind of it kind of comes off as as being pretty um, bold, you know, uh, to do something that like like that, especially as your first your first foray into programming, you know, and and VR in general. Uh, VR is still, I'd say, really in its infancy, and it seems like I'm you know this is the week of VR for me because you are the second out of three people that I'm going to be talking to about this. <laughs> Um, so what are some of your favorite parts about the game though? Like, like, um, mm -hmm. cause there's a lot of really good, uh, interesting segments I, I thought. Yeah. So, um, I guess th this will be spoiling some of the game, but, um, nothing too crazy. Uh, definitely overall, I, I really do like the apartments. I think that it's, it's a pretty great starting area. Um, maybe a little bit too slow for some people, but I think that the, the atmosphere builds up pretty well and it introduces um, the few enemies that the game has. Um, I think it it gets a little bit slower after the apartments. Um, I'm not a big fan of the mines. Definitely could have done better there. <laughs> and they're definitely, I would say, a bit too difficult. I think a few people probably get to the mines and they, and they die and then they drop the game. Um, but... If they get through the mines, which I think is probably the most difficult part of the game, um, then you get into the the club basement. Yeah, um, yeah. Which that that whole section with the club and the so the basement leading up to the club, um, that whole middle section of the game I think is the best part of the game, and I had a ton of fun working on all of that. Um, it's it's a pretty easy part of the game. Um, and I think the atmosphere there is just so interesting, just like this weird hell club thing. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I haven't really played that in any other survival horror game. Um, so that was, that was a very cool part for me. Yeah, that, that, um, that's, that's probably my favorite part of the game simply because like you said, you don't, you don't really see that, uh, in any other at least survival horror games, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of, of horror games that have interestingly themed places. I, I can't say I've ever heard of a, a rave club though, except for maybe like in uh vampire, the masquerade, maybe, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I do remember <laughs> cause there, there's, um, basically once you get into the rave, you look down on the dance floor and you see, um, I guess they're like conjoined dancers, <laughs> And there's a million of them, and they're all looking at you. 
So eventually, because it's a horror game, you know you're going to have to like wade through them somehow. <laughs> so when I finally got to that part, and this this is kind of what I was talking about earlier when I said you, you guys, whether you meant to or not, you kind of hit on a bunch of different uh, types of, of fear. I felt like this was like claustrophobia for me. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously everything in this game so far has just been trying to kill me. So <laughs> um, to have something not try to kill you, again, these are spoilers. So um, that was pretty interesting. I really enjoyed just that whole segment, even the puzzle uh, before it, like trying to get, get into the actual club itself. And uh, that one, that's one I'm not going to talk about too much because I want people to figure that out on their own. Because that was uh, that was pretty neat. Yeah, man. Um, I really I really did in, enjoy the game. I look forward to more games like that uh, from y'all. I, I definitely understand you want to take a take a break though <laughs> from from that kind of design. Yeah. <laughs> so, with all that being said about Oregon Quarter, and again, uh, I know we're like, you know. 20, 30 minutes in to, to this, but it's really more, um, it's more of an experience. Like it's a really good VR experience. Uh, and like he, he said, the story is very interpretive. A lot of the stuff is very interpretive and I actually like that. And that's what kind of made me want to talk about it is because it is pretty different. You know, I would say it takes a lot of familiar things and puts them together to make something new, if that makes any sense. It's pretty, it's a pretty interesting experience, I would have to say. But uh, with that being said, let's move on to Guilt, your newly announced game on a uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Guilt has just been announced. Uh, is kind of out of nowhere <laughs> yeah and uh on to kickstarter yeah so that's currently ongoing why don't you go ahead and, and explain what what guilt is yeah so guilt is um my other obsession outside of horror games which is uh rpgs and for the past i guess man 10 years particularly the dark Souls series um which sort of snuck up on me um I, I wouldn't have ever expected to call any one of those games like my favorite game or like in my top three favorite games of all time. But somehow, whenever I sit down to make a list, I just end up putting like the Dark Souls series up there. And um, uh, yeah, I, I've just been really obsessed um, with the mechanics there, and also. Um, Going back to an older time when I was growing up, um, when I first was introduced to MMORPGs and I was playing uh, Ultima Online when I was a, a little kid, and the sort of sandbox freedom of the social interactions in that game, where you could you could kill anybody you want, you could steal from people, you could uh, like you. you you could wait for people to come out of a dungeon, kill them, and take their loot, and all of that loot is gone. And all these, um, I guess, a lot of elements that people are used to today in games like uh, Daisy or Rust, uh, which I've played a, a ton of Rust. Um, but in general, it seems like the the industry has sort of 
turned its back on those games or kind of um decided that they're they are all they all end in um just uh like aggressive uh kill on site really um anti-social experiences um where it's impossible to team up or make friends um especially in a game like rust um and i don't see too too many games that are trying to tackle that issue of like how do we how do we allow people to kill anybody they want but also somehow incentivize them not to um i only a few games that i can really um name that are getting anywhere close to that um goal um i think most games just decide well killing people doesn't work so let's just not let them do that or restrict it into like um an arena or some sort of pvp matchmaking um so that was the main influence for guilt was to make a multiplayer rpg where you could kill or team up with anybody that you encounter but with the with the title of guilt um there would be some some morality system that would limit your ability to just kill anybody that you wanted to that you would be more encouraged to cooperate and uh that's the main the main goal be- behind uh guilt interesting and that and that kind of ties into the name too as well mm-hmm. great um is there is there any any more that you would like to say on that system it's it's definitely intriguing um, yeah, I mean, the, the system, the issue is, like, we don't have enough players yet to, like, really um, figure out how that system is going to work. It's it's still a very broad idea, but I think that in combination with the roguelike structure that we're going for, um, I think even even just that alone, like, if we took out all of the morality systems and it was just... You can kill anyone you want, but you're stuck in a, a roguelike dungeon. I think that j- just the structure of getting far into a dungeon and then finding a person, I feel like that would incentivize cooperation on some level. Um, unlike a game like Rust, where you know, you're know you like right in front of your house, there's somebody there. You might as well kill them. They have some stuff. If they kill you, no big deal. You just respawn in your house. But here, like... If you run into a person in the middle of the dungeon, you might lose like twenty to thirty minutes of pro- and like this might be the furthest that you've ever gotten in the dungeon. Um, so I think that alone is going to make a, a big difference. Just having a a player versus environment structure and progression to the game, because um, right. a lot of these games just don't have any reason for you to team up, right. other than killing other players. Um, so it, it just sort of so basically and and you know your your arcs or or rusts or hurt world while that Mm -hmm. game was still around um you kind of just survive and if you can you work together if not then you just kill everybody because it's just convenient this is more or less what you're saying you're trying to avoid that and and the other aspect to that is that if if you're playing those games um typically you would be playing with people that you know um using you know like You'd be on Discord or TeamSpeak um, using 
metacons um, and being able to communicate outside of the game and sort of you would have your group and everybody else in the game is just like an outsider right. um, where here we want to experiment with like not immediately allowing you to group up with your friends um, which I don't know we're going to see how that works I know a lot of people are probably going to be are going to find that to be not great but uh, the idea is that you would start the dungeon uh, in a roguelike structure that you would start it and you wouldn't be able to immediately team up with your friends you would run into other random people and hopefully um, you, you'd be able to start um, probably I think what we're going with is you could summon your friends in into your world and um, kind of kind of like Dark Souls there'd probably be like a uh, some like item requirement like you would have to go and find uh, certain materials to to summon friends and you would ha have to do that like one at a time probably it would take like I don't know five or ten minutes to get your your whole group together if if that was your goal but um hopefully in that short time you would run into some other people and you would have some incentive you know play the game with people you don't know and I think that's ultimately the goal is to kind of bring some social interactions back into RPGs because man even even MMOs these days like people just don't don't really play together there's all this like auto grouping and I don't know I, I know that um, World of Warcraft Classic is coming back and um, I, I would say that Maybe that's pointing to a direction that like people people miss that sort of social experience. And mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a lot of interesting things that we can do to to bring that sort of uh, thing back. well, that's that's actually really really uh, interesting. Uh, so you know you you made Oregon quarter, so i'm I'm pretty sure you like what well, you said earlier, you actually have a headset. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, surely you've dabbled in like VR chat or maybe even Orbis, you know? Uh, I haven't played Orbis. I've seen some videos of it. Um, I've played a, a bit of VR chat and yeah, VR chat is great. Uh, it's purely a social thing. Right. Um, though, though it is very, overstimulating i guess i think for <laughs> for anybody that like has social anxiety it'll probably be too much for them even though you're in a virtual environment like yeah um, although that, that can be a helpful thing for sure like i think if you play a ton of vr chat and you're just like making a ton of friends and joking around like i think that that uh social experience would actually translate into real life i don't know if that would be a good <laughs> way of dealing with your problems, but I don't, uh, um, I don't it would know. definitely help, I think. Um, but um, yeah, what I'm saying is just that uh, I don't think a lot of people, I, I don't think a lot of introverted people would really sign up for that sort of um, abrasive social experience. Um, so, like even games that just have voice chat can be very difficult or sometimes even text chat. Um, so with guilt, um, at least at the moment, we're, we're experimenting with not having any sort of chat and just doing like emotes and um, gestures 
uh, kind of like Dark Souls, and um, seeing how far that can get us. And also keeping the game as anonymous as possible so that, you know, it's a roguelike, so every time you die, you could um, you can come back as a new identity. You can recreate your the look of your character and uh, have a totally different name. And people would never be able to track the actual name of your character. Um, there might be some sort of friend system to... Um, just track case. like like the the account or like this the soul of the of the character but um the actual singular character in the world at that moment um can be somebody different at any point and you never have to feel like oh like i killed that guy he probably hates me now and <laughs> i'd hate to run into that guy again but you just make a new character with a different name and you know, that guy might keep playing and he'll never know that it, that was you. <laughs> so, so you're, you're, you guys are kind of, um, I guess not aiming at the kind of your typical multiplayer audience. And, and I find that to be uh, pretty interesting and I'm really curious to see kind of how that turns out for sure. Uh, I know whenever it comes out, I'm definitely going to play it because just a little demo that I that I got to play the 30 minutes or whatever it doesn't take long to get through uh whenever you kind of figure out how to not die but uh yeah that's that's definitely going to be something I'm ch- I'm check I'm going to check out uh is there is there a story to to guilt yet or or is this going to be kind of an um ambiguous sort of roguelike RPG sort of sort of experience uh yeah the, there will definitely be some loose narrative um i would say probably yeah not not as obtuse or hard to read as dark souls something a bit a bit more narrative but also not very concrete um you know the main character obviously uh um although i i mean some roguelikes have uh you know like there's a hades that just came out recently that's a very a narrative based on uh, the main character that speaks. Um, but I, I think that definitely I'm very interested in characters. Um, I had a, a ton of fun doing that with Oregon Quarter and getting voice actors and writing dialogue. Um, so definitely there will be probably some sort of hub area that you'll be able to communicate with NPC characters um, that will give you more dialogue as you progress through the story. And um, yeah, I, I wish that I had more of that prepared um, by this point for the Kickstarter. I think people really want to see more of like what the what the lore, what the what the storyline is, what what the game feels like. And uh, definitely I'll be working a lot on that uh, moving forward just the, the the little tastes that that I've kind of gotten uh, it, it leaves you wanting more and it leaves you wanting to know more it kind of gives uh, the project a a an air of mystique you know uh, I think you I think you guys did a really good job uh, pushing that pushing that demo out for sure thank you yeah you want to describe the gameplay for people because it was it was to me it was kind of like a mix of Diablo and Dark Souls mm-hmm um yeah so like I mentioned, definitely the, the main influence uh, would be Dark Souls for the combat. 
Um, although that that's probably about where it ends. I think I just felt that Dark Souls had a really uh, a very simple combat system that is very easily expanded on. So I used that as the base, but then um, I didn't want it to be quite as slow and deliberate. Um, it, it's a little bit a little bit snappier, um, a, a bit more um, arcadey, and uh, there's some influences there from like bullet hell games and uh, some. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's not much of that yet, but I think I think some of the bosses are definitely going to be like shooting out crazy mathematical bullet patterns um, as soon as I can, you know, figure out how to like write those algorithms and. <laughs> all of that but uh yeah definitely uh, uh a bit of bullet hell in there and diablo mostly for the for the way that item loot works um and uh sort of the the monster design like monster generation so we're definitely going to be going with a lot of the way that diablo did having like unique monsters that would randomly spawn and um all kinds of modifiers that can be added onto a monster and um yeah and and with the items like modifiers for items um there's not much as far as the spell system yet but we're definitely working on that and uh people can definitely expect more customization i think as uh, i think as far as a proof of concept goes it's perfectly fine you know demo <laughs> i think y'all kind of had everything lined out in the kickstarter yeah that was actually something uh, I didn't bring up. I just totally forgot about it till you brought it up the bullet hell thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was actually really interesting to run into. That that sort of uh, sparked a little bit of excitement for me. I'm not a huge um, I'm not a huge bullet fan or bullet hell fan anymore. Uh, I used to play a, a lot of shmups back in like high school, but uh, my brain and my fingers have atrophied since then. Uh, so I don't I don't usually touch those too much anymore. But that was that was it was cool to see that sort of on a at least for the one monster that you had two monsters because I think the boss does it too. Uh, it was interesting to kind of see that on a, a slower scale, something I could definitely handle and sort of adapt to. You know, as not someone who has a ton of practice in in that genre. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess uh, current really say bullet hell it's more like shoot them up really because um, i know bullet hell just means like a ridiculous amount of bullets but i, I hope that we get there at some point uh, really? uh <laughs> yeah and uh, i actually i would ask you how did you the, the difficulty with the game i thought it was fine because like i said i i um hmm, i guess the best way to word it is it was very similar to my bloodborne experience uh in the way that you know you you go well i guess dark souls too but you 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 go in blind kind of not really knowing what to expect from the enemies and and your own sort of swing animations and stuff and so i you know one of the first things i learned was you know just kind of how long it's going to take to hit stuff and not get hit back so that was you know that's going to be like the first thing people tackle uh, I think, I think the difficulty so far is, it's just fine, really. Um, it's not too hard. I got to the boss, uh, maybe after dying three times, three or four times. Mm-hmm. But it's like every time I died, uh, I did I didn't really mind it because, 
you know, I wasn't super far anyway. <laughs> it's only, I think it's three levels and then the boss for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's only really two levels and yeah. Okay. Uh, though I, I, I will say for people who pick the demo up and the game, whenever it comes out, unless this changes, uh, don't, don't lock onto the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just don't huh, do that. Interesting. Yeah. It, 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 it's almost a, uh, I'm sure you know as a fan of uh, Soulsborne stuff. Typically, with the big bosses, at least generally speaking, the uh, the opinion is not to lock on, so that way you can kind of freely turn and and maneuver around the mm-hmm. boss because they're usually pretty big and and lumbering, slow creatures, you know. Yeah. And um, the boss in this one was very much the same, outside of having like a some kind of a projectile. And I died to it the first time, and I kind of smacked myself in the forehead because <laughs> at the very end I remembered, hey, don't lock into the boss because you can, you know, you know, you can move better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the second time around, I beat it, and I was a little sad to see it end because <laughs> I was having fun. It was, it was, hmm, it was, it was like a like a rapid fire sort of Dark Souls thing because you can't just sit around in this game and guilt. Um, if you spend too much time on a level, there's a mechanic called the miasma. You know, if you know what a miasma is, it's just like a, like a poisonous fog and it catches up to you and it can drain your health and kill you. So that was, uh, it's been a very interesting experience and I think you guys are on the right track with this and I'm really excited to see kind of, kind of what develops, uh, down the line for sure. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to get more people in there and just see how all of this functions with multiple people running around. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope you guys have fun making it. <laughs> um, so before we sign out, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to plug or talk about? Uh, not really. Uh, if anyone is listening... You know, within a few weeks of release, then uh, definitely check out the demo. Um, if you like the demo, think you know, consider supporting us on Kickstarter um, or at least wishlist the game on Steam. I think, uh, yeah, that's already up on Steam, so you can wishlist it, and uh, it will hopefully be going into early access. Um, the goal is by October, so oh, wow. um, definitely. Uh, uh, follow us on Twitter, Outer Brain Games, uh, at Twitter. Follow us on Facebook, and consider joining the Discord, um, which you can find somewhere. I think the you can go to outerbraingames.com, or I think it's uh, guilt ga dot me guilt game. Um, that'll take you to the Discord, and um, yeah, we're probably going to be doing uh, private multiplayer tests and people on the discord could probably get into that all right awesome yeah um again look forward to seeing what comes of this and uh i will most likely be buying the game whenever it comes out but uh per usual follow me on twitter at dac talk um and again i'm just gonna plug this probably every episode from here to the end of time i started a patreon not too long ago so if you like the show you want to support me uh you know pitch a dollar if you want to it'll help me with uh buying games for the show and and equipment and stuff 
Um, and there is a there is a nice little surprise there for uh, the ten dollar people. So yeah, check it out. Um, anyway, Dimitri, it was great talking to you, man. I uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy sort of picking your brain about about Oregon Quarter, which is just such a such an experience, such a strange one, uh, but one I really enjoyed. And um, and I, I hope you have a good rest of the day, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, talk to you later.